if you don't have the data in the right place, then you can't start to build the tool, the processes you need to be data driven. So the first thing we need to do is take away that burden from the individuals themselves and make sure that all of the data is clean and up to date in the system of record. Welcome to Revenue Insights. Every week, we'll be joined by revenue leaders from some of the most successful and highest growing companies. Together, we explore how they built their revenue teams, the journeys that they've been on, and the lessons they have learned along the way. Revenue Insights is brought to you by Ebster. We're a revenue intelligence platform designed to help revenue teams to build more pipeline, close more deals, and retain more customers. You're listening to Revenue Insights. This week, we have a special session with Guy Rubin, CEO and co-founder of Ebster. Halfway through 2023, we analyzed $37 billion of pipeline to understand the latest trends in sales and the factors that are driving and underpinning revenue. Recently, Guy joined the RevOps Mastery Conference to share our latest findings from H1 and how to use them to build a high-performing sales team. Here we go. Fantastic. Well, again, I feel really, really honoured and blessed to be invited by George and Ivan to uh, to kick off proceedings. I want to try and add a lot of value to the community, and I think the best way to do that is to uh, give you some of the value and the insights that we've been generating over the last year or so. And so hopefully you'll get a lot of value from today's session. Uh, happy to answer questions as we go, or perhaps leave them to the end. We'll, we'll see how things go. So for those of you that don't know me, my name is Guy Rubin. I founded Epster about a decade ago now. Ebster is a revenue intelligence platform. We really help businesses to build and then scale data-driven revenue engines. So we're not a consultancy business. We work very closely with consultancy companies who are experts at change. That's not us. We try and analyze all the data points around your business to understand the signals that have historically led to revenue. And we use that data to then build benchmarks, which can be used to identify risk in the live pipeline. And all of that rolls up to a more predictable revenue engine and ultimately a more accurate forecast. So that's kind of a little bit about us and about Ebster. So recently we produced a report uh, towards the end of 2022, uh, beginning of 2023, we launched a report where we'd analyzed the last 12 months worth of data that we had access to. That represented just over 3.2 million opportunities that we did the analysis, really looking at the signals that led to revenue across all sorts of B2B businesses based in all sorts of geographies, working all sorts of verticals, SMB all the way through to enterprise and beyond. And we analyzed just over $37 billion worth of pipeline and really fascinating insights uh, that we came about from that report. So just to step, start with some of the highlights or perhaps even lowlights, you, you can decide. But what we found was quite shocking. What we found here was that you can see that less than a third of AEs are uh, hit target in 2022, okay? So that's a shocking number. And what was even more shocking for me at least as a data geek, I suppose, uh, was to see that nearly eight, that nearly 20% of reps didn't even have a quota to hit. So uh, perhaps I'm preaching to the converted here, but for goodness sake, make sure that everybody knows what they're there to do, because if they don't have a target, there's no chance they're going to hit it. What we saw in 2022 is that the win rates dropped dramatically. So this was the third year we'd run this report. So the win rates had dropped by 15%, average deal values had gone down by almost a third, and sales processes had been elongated. We saw them Many more stakeholders involved in, in average sales processes and sales processes increased by 32% in the sales cycle. So lots of slippage, lots of challenges around how sales were being run in 2022. 
So we've done, we've seen a lot of change over the last six months, and we analysed another 1.8 million opportunities over the last two quarters to look at how the data has changed. And there is some, there's some positive news here. We found that in the first half of 2023, we did see a bounce back. We did see the win rate starting to increase, sales cycles reduce, and average deal values have started to creep up again. However, we're certainly not out of the woods. The numbers are way off where they were just 12 months earlier. So there's still a very long way to go. And what was really quite shocking is the level of efficiency has actually even dropped even further. So when we look at the data for 2023, we can see that actually even slightly less reps were hitting quota consistently in the first half of this year. What's hit me more than anything, I suppose, is this understanding of what we call velocity delta. So looking at the, the, the gap between the, the exceptional A's that are consistently hitting quota and everybody else, that gap is now is widening and it's widening at a pace. So we saw that only 23% of AEs were responsible for 83% of the revenue within these businesses. That's really shocking. And so the rest of them, the 77% of the other reps that are really just riding the back of other people's wave, they're really not, they're, they're not able to perform at the same level as the 23% that are achieving and exceeding targets. That was really interesting for us. We wanted to dig into that and try and understand what was driving that. The other record number that we came out with in, in uh, literally in the last couple of weeks when we launched out the update, the H1 report, was looking at slippage. Slippage has never been higher. So, and slippage is, means the date that's forecast for the deal to close and the deal actually exceeds past that date point. And you might wonder, well, does that matter? Do, why do we care if slippage is, is a thing? Well, obviously, the shorter the sales cycle, the more sales processes we can run in the year. But more importantly, the win rate starts to drop off a cliff as soon as we start to see that slippage. And obviously, as uh, the longer the deal goes on, the more slippage, we, the less likely the deal is to close. Now, to give you some clarity around this, uh, on, of all the deals that we analyzed, only 30% of opportunities opened, closed one. And the 70% of opportunities that are being worked that close lost eventually spend twice as long in pipe as deals that close one. So there's huge inefficiencies in the way the sales teams are being operated and a wider and wider gap between those that are performing and everybody else in the team. Now, there's a lot of other things that we're seeing happening in the market as well. We saw 65% less recruitment going on within front office sales teams, and the average AE team is now 22% smaller. So again, if your team has shrunk a little bit over the last year, that's usual. We're seeing that elsewhere as well. There's a big drive towards product-led growth. There's a big drive to, uh, for marketing to be more responsible, not just for uh, generating leads or opportunities, but actually for generating the number as well. And we can talk a little bit about what marketing are doing in that space maybe later. So looking at the secrets behind the high performers, if we leave the ones that aren't performing behind and start looking at the ones that are performing consistently, what do we see that those people are doing different to others? So those individual contributors are very, very good at building high quality relationships. One of the biggest signals we see to lead to success in, in revenue is recognizing that in B2B sales, relationships drive revenue. And so the very best performers aren't just building really good relationships in, with people that are in a sales process, but actually they're just being building very good relationships in their ecosystem and in their market. And the top performers are the ones that have the most volume of relationships and the highest quality relationships. So lean in to, if you're multi-threaded in a, a complex B2B sales process, lean in, find ways of maintaining and growing the relationships you have with the stakeholders involved, maybe get your C-suite involved in the sales processes as well, Find ways of engaging with the key stakeholders at the customer and in your wider market because the relationships really do drive revenue. We also saw a huge impact on sales processes and success of sales processes when people are using a sales methodology. 
Now, we're going to talk about this a bit more a little bit later, but actually, it didn't really matter too much which sales methodology you use. And in fact, within the methodologies, there are certain pieces of the puzzle that make them more important than others. But if you're not already using a way of a consistent approach to qualifying opportunities and allowing opportunities to, to skip past stage two qualifying into and discovery into the full sales cycle, uh, you might find that you're losing a lot of opportunities much later stage than you should. And if you don't know who the economic buyers are and whether they've got budget and what time frame they want to work to and what metrics they need and so on, then you're allowing the salespeople to, uh, to skip through to, uh, to later stages, arguably more expensive stages of the sales process without them actually doing the proper qualification early on. And when we know that 70% of opportunities that, that are worked to close lost, we know that if we qualified them better, we could probably close them lost a whole lot sooner and help the sales teams to actually fail faster so that they can win more over the longer term. So in addition to that, on the left-hand side of the screen, we can see that the good, the very best sales reps are the ones that have got next steps already booked in the diary, uh, that they're progressing. Every opportunity has, uh, has got progress every single week. And most importantly, we know the very best performers have at least 30% of their pipeline made up of their ICP, of their ideal customer profile. And if on average, the, it's something you absolutely should be measuring and really pushing the reps to understand the value of targeting the right customers at the right time. And if they get, I've seen it myself, if the salespeople get flustered, they haven't closed anything in a while, they'll just start going after anything and everything rather than being a lot more methodical. And I think as sales ops people our, and rev ops people, our job is to help them to keep calm and focus on the right companies, the right targets at the right time. Okay, so um, as per the, the title of this presentation, uh, we're going to talk through these seven steps to building your own high performance sales team. You won't be surprised to hear that, that before you can become data driven, the very first thing we need to do is capture the right data. And so I really like this slide because it talks about the challenges that people have and that we see every day within the customers. We have over 500 companies now using our platform. And I don't think we've ever found a customer with more than 70% of their active relationships in CRM. So if you don't have the data in the right place, then you can't start to build the tool, the processes you need to be data driven. So the first thing we need to do is take away that burden from the individuals themselves and make sure that all of the data is clean and up to date in the system of record. Now, we offer a tool called Ebster Sync, which will go back over, we can go back one, two or three years. It will trawl through all the email traffic, the calendar events, and try and build a profile for every contact anyone in the business has ever engaged with. And if those people relate to an active account in Salesforce, we'll create those records in Salesforce with all the latest contact details, but also identifying who holds the relationship, the date they last engaged with them, and whether that relationship is trending up or trending down. So... We know that most businesses have got less than 70% of their, uh, got more than 70% of their contacts missing from CRM. But even if you've got a big database of hundreds of thousands of contacts, if not, what we find is that 98% of those contacts you have no active relationship with. So why are you polluting your CRM with contacts that no one holds a relationship with? We also know that by taking away this admin burden from the reps, we can actually free up up to 20% of their time. Bringing up a day a week is a really compelling proposition. And actually, what we want our salespeople doing is focusing on building relationships, not focusing on admin tasks that perhaps they're not very good at anyway. So step two, now we have every relationship captured. The next step is really to recognize this key point that relationships drive revenue and focus on building good relationships or increasing relationships from good to great. So to try and understand the value of doing that, we've got two graphics here that I want to touch on. The one at the top here shows the outcome of sales processes with different levels of engagement. Now, we score relationship engagement out of 100, 
And you can see here that it's relatively flat on the impact on win rates until you go from good level of engagement, so that's 61 to 80, to above 80. And we can see that we can get a three times increase in win rate where our engagement, our relationship strength is higher in those earlier stages. So by building really good quality relationships, we can see a much higher win rate on the outcome. But not just that, we also can see here in the graphic below is that the, the impact of engagement on sales cycles actually reduces the sales cycle if you've got good quality, highly engaged individuals that you're working with on the other side. And the converse is also true. So if you see the level of engagement with your customer or prospect start to drop off during the sales process, it's a really good early indicator that that deal is going to start to slip and then eventually to close lost. So monitoring engagement levels is absolutely key to understand the health of the opportunities that are currently in flight. And it also is a great way of understanding whether key accounts that are currently, that may be coming up for renewal, whether they're likely to churn or not. So obviously you'll have other data points around how much they're using your product or how often they visit your service, but actually understanding whether the key economic buyers that you told to in the sales process, where the relationship was turning up during the point where until you sold to them, whether you maintain that level of engagement or whether it dropped off up until the point where the renewal comes in and guess what, they churn. So really focusing in on understanding what relationships we currently hold and most importantly, which relationships need attention. Now, this is shown even better in the second graph here. So you may find that you need to have engagement with different types of stakeholders at different stages of the sales process. Now, there were some surprising insights that we found when we looked at the data. So for example, you may find that the optimal sales process is achieved not by going straight into the economic buyer, but finding a key champion that can sponsor you into the economic buyer may actually shorten your sales cycle. So try and understand, so by analyzing every deal you've closed won or lost in the last 12 months, we're able to give you some visibility as to which personas you should be engaging with at which stage of the sales cycle. And we can start to build a template of what good looks like and use that as a, that template to benchmark the deals that are in flight and identify risk. And that way, when you're going into your one-to-ones with your sales team, you're instead of it being a combative experience where they're telling you how great they're doing, how amazing they are as a, as a team, and they're definitely gonna close this deal, you're able to say to them, well, look, well done engaging with the CFO. It looks like you're doing a great job. But look, we know that if you have one more stakeholder involved in the sales process at this stage, we can improve our win rate by 40%. Or if you can increase your engagement with the CFO from 27 to 47, we might be able to reduce the sales cycle by 30 days. So really understanding the influence of different types of relationships on your sales cycle, not just understanding the ICP, but understanding the ideal personas you should be engaging with at each stage of the sales process. Right, so moving on to number three, what we can see here is understanding the impact of using some sort of sales methodology on win rates. So we try and track, we will work with whichever methodology you're using. In this example, you can see the Ebster console inside Salesforce, and we automatically capture MedPick by analyzing the calls that you're on, the emails and so on. And we can see how well qualified every opportunity is before it progressed to the next stage. Now, if you're using a sales methodology, you will increase your win rates. And if you explain this and show the data to your sales team, they'll want to win too. So they'll want to go through the sales process as well. We also can see here that the key metrics to, to focus in on are the, the metrics themselves, the decision criteria and the paper process. Understanding those before you progress are really kind of the key ones I would suggest you, you focus in on. Now, this graph, this slide, number four, we're talking about the, trying to understand all the factors that help you drive close more deals. Now, we've all got different tech stacks in our business, and most of those technologies will give us some sort of signal. 
whether it's how often they're opening our emails or did they open our proposal or how often did they go to our pricing page or did they use our free trial um, or did they go to our webinar? Understanding engagement that's going on, what marketing is doing to warm up the next set of personas that we're going to be engaging with at the next stage and so on. So trying to understand all those different data points and the influences they have on revenue is key if you're going to start to build a predictable revenue model, a predictable revenue engine. So try and think about what are the signals that you use or that you need to understand to build that predictable revenue engine. And I've picked out the six that we found has had the biggest influence, but different businesses are working different ways. And again, get in touch and we can talk in a bit more detail about that. But for example, on the relationship side here, you can see that if you've got uh, on average, and again, it's different for enterprise and different for SMB, but on average, you're looking for somewhere between six and nine active relationships involved at the client end to optimize your chance of winning. We know that certain personas can increase your win rate. So which are the personas that you should be engaging with and which stage of the sales process is key for you? We also make sure that you know who your ICP is, what companies are, should your team be targeting? And let's try and make sure that at least 30% of the pipe that each individual rep is targeting fits the ICP, ideally more. Make sure they're using some sort of sales methodology and understand the strength of relationships that are actually going on. And we, we talk a lot about relationship strength and a lot of questions I get asked is, well, well, how do you measure that? Well, for us, there's really kind of three or four key points we look at. So obviously meetings are worth more than calls that are worth more than emails. Inbound is worth a lot more than outbound. But most importantly, it's the velocity of engagement. If we exchange emails and calls every day or two or three times a day, we're much more likely to have a high quality relationship and ultimately to win together versus sending an email and getting a response two weeks later. So monitoring the momentum of engagement going on is absolutely vital. And again, there's simple tools you can put in place that will give you an engagement score that you can look at in Salesforce or bring into one of your existing reports and dashboards. Finally, understand the timing of every stage of the sales process. As soon as you start to see slippage, it's a really good indicator that deal's going to end up closed loss. But try and understand what are your conversion rates. Now, ultimately, we want to get to a point where we understand the likelihood of winning different types of leads coming in or opportunities being created by marketing. So marketing in our business will categorize leads into A leads, B leads, and C leads. And we know the conversion rates and the average sales cycle and deal values for A leads, B leads, and C leads. And then marketing is now empowered to say to the sales team, look, we know we've delivered you the, enough quality leads to hit the number this quarter. You now need to run the sales process correctly. And what we're looking at is that you're not as engaged as you should be with this account, or you're not as multi-threaded as you should be, or not engaging with the right personas, or you haven't qualified them well enough. So we can lean into the marketing data because marketing tends to be more data-driven than the rest of the business. And we can help, we can use that to understand the time to close uh, for, or the time progression within each stage and ultimately the time to close. And we know that as soon as that starts to slip, it's a really good indicator that there's a problem in that account. And we either need to step in and intervene and course correct to get it back on track, or we want to help the sales reps to close things off as lost a lot sooner so they can work on something more productive. So we produce a leaderboard for every customer every quarter on every AE they have within their business. And we try and help them understand all of the signals that lead to revenue for each of the individual AEs. And you can see here the leaderboards have kind of a traffic light signal of green, amber, and red. So you can see the reps that need more coaching. But what we really want to dive into is understand what area of the sales cycle they need coaching in, because some are really good at the qualification stage. Others are great at doing their demos. Some are really good at building business cases and closing business. But understanding where they're falling short will help you with your training programs. And the only way to do that is to monitor the data and see how they're pacing quarter on quarter. One of my favorite stats is looking at things like coverage to hit quota. 
And the very best reps, quarter on quarter, will need slightly less coverage to hit their number. Obviously, there's reasons why that might blip, but ultimately, understanding the level of coverage the reps need to hit quota is a great way of monitoring how the team are progressing. So, onto quite a um, quite an interesting slide, I think. You can see here two deals, two fictitious deals, and you can see that from an initial view, they both look identical. So, if we were the sales manager reviewing these deals, we would have very little information to be able to see which of those were pacing in the right direction and which ones actually needed some help, otherwise are, are, are likely and on par to close lost. But once we're data-driven, all of a sudden we can see that those two deals look materially different. Uh, DLA is in good health. We can see it's got a good deal score. We can see that there's been a lot of activity in the last seven days. The opportunity amount has increased recently, and we're engaging with eight different people within this account. We can also see in deal B that actually there's very little activity in the last seven days. Uh, the opportunity amount is actually decreasing. We're only engaged with two people at this business, and it's been stuck in the current stage for 44 days. So knowing these signals, we're able to see that there's a material difference between the two deals. Without being data-driven, without RevOps, without this consistent approach to building this scalable revenue engine, you're working in the dark and both deals look identical. So when we're getting it, let's get into the detail of doing our pipeline reviews. The key here is to work is to do it consistently. Consistency is probably the, if you take one word away from my presentation today, it would be consistency. If you're running multiple sales teams in multiple geographies, um, having different sales leaders doing things in different ways means that you're massively inefficient and you're not able to learn from each other quickly. So what we try and do is help the customers buy in to implement a much more consistent deal review process or one-to-one -one process. And you can see here the seven steps that we normally consider are relevant. We'll certainly circulate the desk, the deck after the presentation so you guys can dig into this at your own leisure. But we try and prompt the individual sales people, the individual contributors to know that they're going to be asked these seven questions before they go into the meeting. And we try and prompt them with the answers as we go. So try and keep it very simple and be much more consistent in the way you do your pipeline reviews, have the same view that everyone's working from. You don't want people working in different spreadsheets and in different ways because it will just create inefficiencies and you won't be able to share the learns. And then once we've done our deal review, then we can finally talk about the forecast. Now, I believe a forecast is an output rather than an input. It's what comes after all of the work that we've done. But once again, we want a data-driven forecast cadence. We want everyone forecasting in the same way. So we need to make sure that the pipeline is always up to date. And we can do that by taking the burden of keeping it up to date away from the reps, making it very easy and simple for them just to do their job rather than be burdened with the admin. We use the AI now within the technology to, because we've benchmarked all the deals in the past against, every deal in flight against deals in the past, we'll tell you predictably what number you're likely to hit. But we also recognize there's value in, in the reps giving you their number. And it's interesting to see those that like to sandbag and underplay their position and others who hype up their position and then disappoint with a lower number. But try and have a consistent way to the way the reps submit their forecast, and they should be trying to get more and more accurate month after month. It doesn't have to be right month one, but of course you can compare it to the EBSTA forecast and it will tell you how far away it is. Our number is always, is usually 98% accurate. The managers should also have the opportunity to review and adjust the forecast before it rolls up to the board. And then the senior leaders should also have the ability to review and adjust the forecast before it gets up to the board themselves. So all of that consistent approach to that forecast cadence is key. Again, if you reach out to me, We've got a forecast cadence deck I can share with you for free, but you really should be looking to implement a very standard way of doing this, uh, this forecast cadence, and it, it'll help to bring consistency to the sales process.
So those are the seven steps that I think you should be really driving in. Uh, everyone's in a different place. Some are, are knee deep and are halfway through this process. Others haven't even got the data in the right place. So I'd, I'd encourage you to start thinking about all of these different steps. Wherever you are, the fact you're even thinking about this means that you're probably ahead of the markets. But if you don't become more data driven, I'm convinced that your competitors will. We believe that there's 100,000 businesses that are going to be adopting revenue intelligence over the next three years. Why it's such a hot market right now. And so it, try and find simple ways of incrementally improving these things. If you don't have the experts in-house to do the digital transformation, bring in experts that, that do know how to do it. Uh, RevOps is not a junior role. RevOps is a strategic role. So we know that salespeople have to be very focused on the next opportunity. Well, RevOps and sales enablement are much more thinking about the longer term strategy and trying to improve by one or two percent every other day or every week. So hopefully you found that presentation useful. If you want a download of the actual report itself, you can do that if you scan this QR code. That's a hard copy of the report, but it's available for free to everyone in the community. I hope you found it useful. Feel free to download that report. And if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, my name is Guy Rubin, as I say, the, the CEO of Ebster, and I'd welcome the opportunity to discuss this with any of you uh, afterwards as well. Thanks for listening to Revenue Insights. If you want to learn more, subscribe to our newsletter and we'll deliver every episode straight to your inbox. If you have any questions, feel free to connect with us on LinkedIn. Our links will be in the episode notes. See you next week.